minute a lad had asked me for a ticket, he'd go into the book. He put a 50, 60, 70 request. They would look the army then and we kind of went through the list of who deserved the most. There could be a lot of lads texting. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. You're welcome back. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you this evening. We will have full coverage from Thurless on Saturday of the All-Ireland Hurling quarterfinals. Galway against Cork throws in at 1.45, followed by Clare against Wexford at 3.45. To look ahead to the two matches, we're joined by Jamesy O'Connor, who is with us. Jamesy, evening. Nathan, how are you? I'm very well. And Sarah Donovan is in studio. How are you, Sarah? I'm very good. Uh, so, yet again, a uh, big GEA weekend, uh, somewhat overshadowed by the farcical situation of suspensions and bans being overturned. And we got the news late last night that Clare's Peter Duggan and Rory Hayes and uh, Goa's Keenan Fahey have all been cleared to play due to technical flaws in the disciplinary process, which Jamesy is going to run us through now, Jamesy. Tell us all about these technical flaws. Nathan, I wish I, I, wish I could, but it, it seems that, listen, it was a procedural thing. Um mistake. I think maybe the, the meeting that was held online was um, obviously not permissible under under whatever rules and regulations the GA applied and then suspensions were overturned. Uh, I think the big thing for me, I mean, you know, obviously the Munster final coming away from Turles, you were blown away by how good mm. the game was. Um, you know, I heard Tommy on here last Tuesday night again eulogising about it and he's coming from a, a neutral perspective and, you know, nobody I think came away expecting to hear about suspensions or, or, or players you know, being, being being suspended and to me, you know, what happened on the Sunday game that, that night just missed the mood of the whole day and the occasion. And Is that their job, Jamesy? I don't think it is, Nathan. I mean, I think, listen, if you're going to highlight foul play, I, I think, number one, you have to look and look, look for everything that happened in the game. And, and were there comparable, comparable incidents that weren't highlighted on Sunday night? That's when I, I think there were. And the second thing I think you, you've got to appreciate or show is, is context, because context is everything. And, I mean, if someone throws a punch fine they deserve a you know a sanction whatever but if that you know if you don't show the provocation that, that caused that um you know you're not showing the context and I think that's that's important. So I, I just felt that it missed the mood and obviously from a clear perspective look at the clear players in question maybe lost their discipline at that particular time and I felt that they'd you know if they were going to be suspended they'd pay a very, very heavy price for it. Um, and I felt that that wasn't you know, fair in the, in, the, in the circumstances because there were comparable incidents arguably on the other side that, that weren't shown. So that's that's the issue I had and that I raised in my column. And um, but look at from a clear perspective, you know, all's well that ends well. The two lads are available for the weekend. Yeah, I'd say uh, the mood has changed somewhat around Clare today. Nathan, it has because believe me, the team put massive energy into that monster campaign, that monster final. And um, you know, five games in which they played really well. I mean, there was no game with say where they didn't perform where they didn't play to a brickster standard and yet, you know, came away with nothing. And expending the energy that they did, you know, Claire needed, I think, something positive to happen. And certainly I think the players were low and down and this was an added blow. And I felt that they were very vulnerable against Wexford and, you know, the circumstances. So Claire needed something positive to happen and certainly it's a big lift to the team to have the two lads back and available for Sunday or Saturday. Uh, this sort of sums up the GA disciplinary system in that none of it works well for anybody so should the players have been suspended in the first place possibly but are we trial by TV and is that selective nobody quite knows I personally don't see a great issue with the Sunday game analysing certain parts of the game but I guess you've got to be sure that you're getting every piece of foul play in there if the end result is players are missing some of the biggest games of their career and then like this nonsense of three days before the game two days before the game that players I don't know whether they're going to be allowed play, getting off on a technicality. Yeah, I, 
I have no issue with process, right? If, if you told me that on Monday morning, the referee's going to sit down, he's going to watch minute one to minute 70 and he's going to assess everything and then decide how the game fared out. The picking out individual instances and when comparable instances are missed is my issue. Mm. And actually, Joe Canning today said, whatever happens in the game, happens in the game. And, and we should move on from that point. So he wouldn't agree with me that there should be a process, you know, after a game to pick up these kinds of instances where there is foul play. But I certainly think that if there is an opportunity for suspensions, then it should be fair, concrete, transparent, and it should be done. And everyone should understand. So in a game, then a player might decide, I won't pull a dirty stroke there because it's going to be picked up on Monday morning when the referee mm. assesses it. And that might make the game cleaner. So there is ways to make the game cleaner without putting in these suspensions willy-nilly. That seems to be the key to this, Jamie. That uh, Jamesy, it needs to be one or the other that as you either go down the Joe Canning route and the 70 minutes is the 70 minutes and we all move on and whatever decisions were made and if it's not in the match report that evening, uh, you know you're in the clear. Or maybe somebody sits down on the Monday morning and goes through in fine detail that 70 minutes and picks out every single piece of foul play that wasn't spotted and maybe end up with 10 suspensions out of every match. I don't think anyone wants that either. I don't think so, and I think there's probably a happy medium there, Nathan. I mean, nobody wants to see players getting away with, you know, serious foul play, um, you know, doing something that a referee or his officials miss, um, and it deserves to be punished. I mean, you're responsible for your actions on the on the pitch, and if you transgress, you know, you expect to, to face the consequences, and if sanctions are, are, are applied and fair and merited, well, then, then, then so be it. But I think a, a big issue, I mean, we do so many things well in the GA, and last Sunday was a special day, Nathan. I thought it was one of the the greatest GA days I've ever experienced. And everybody that was there was enthralled um, and really, you know, privileged to have been there given the spectacle that, that both sets of players treated us to. But it's at the same time probably not acceptable that, you know, three or four days before a massive game, we're still wondering, are these guys going to be available or not? And I think up to last Thursday, the player management, they had heard nothing about, um, about you know, the issues and, and, and the players and the instances that were highlighted in some of the games. So that's something, again, that we've got to do. We've got to do a little bit better. And it's maybe back to the drawing board for, you know, the authorities to, to, to take a look at this whole disciplinary situation. You know, do we just need to speed things up as well and, and, and get things looked at on the Monday and clear up any issues that might have been there so that managers and players can, can plan and, and, and know who's available or who's not available and, and so on. And as you said, Nathan, like it's, it's three days up for a game and, you know, only now do the player guys know, or just Brian Lowe know who's available, what team they can pick. And, and, and from a player's perspective as well, it's probably a little bit unsatisfactory. It gives them a good headache though because having Rory Hayes and Peter Duggan available is a game changer. And... Jamesy's right Clare were vulnerable I felt they were vulnerable against Wexford because if Rory's not available then you know there's possibly not somebody able to pick up Rory O'Connor mm. that Wexford inside line is potent uh, Conor McDonnell is excellent Rory O'Connor is excellent and you need your best defenders there to be able to close them off and I suppose we're talking about Wexford taking two scalps you know the, this Clare team technically in Wexford's eyes is there for the taking and Wexford have nothing to lose uh, I'm surprised, uh, Jamesy, by that thought process. And may- maybe it's totally based on Peter Duggan and Rory Hayes possibly missing the game because Clare were so good in the Munster final. They pushed the Limerick team that we think are right there amongst the greatest of all time right to the wire that the, the disappointment of that, like the, the mental anguish of that was going to be something incredibly difficult for them to overcome. Is this pure skill set of this Clare team not several steps ahead of where Wexford are right now? I don't, don't think so, Nathan, because you could make the case that Wexford are arguably the best team in Leinster. Um, I mean, they drew with Galway, playing pretty poorly for the most part for long spells. 
Um, obviously, we're poor against Dublin. 15 wides, uh, missed scoreable freeze, butchered a couple of really goal shots. You're not making a great case for them being the best team in Leinster here, Jamesy. Missed the penalty. And then went to Nolan Park, Nathan, when their backs were to the wall, their season was on the line, and they, they, they ground out a victory, and we're full value for that on the on the night. So, you know, I mean, if they hadn't um, dropped a point to Westmead, they'd have been in the Leinster final. Um, you know, so I, I don't... From what I've seen of Wexford this year, they came to Ennis in the league um, in the spring, Nathan, and got a really good win and played really good hurling and played really well. And I thought that under Darry Egan, this is maybe a, a slightly more adventurous Wexford team um, with good players. Rory O'Connor was excellent that day in Ennis. And they just didn't fire in those first couple of games um, against Galway and against Dublin in, uh, in Leinster. But certainly against Kilkenny, you know, they were really impressive. I was down there that night and they put their bodies on the line. You know, at the, at the end, Liam Ryan, Damien Reck were throwing themselves at the ball. Rory O'Connor, we know he's capable of having chin back was massive. Um, but McDonald has been really good in, 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 in patches. And they got all the defensive matchups right. So they're coming in in a different place with lots of confidence. You know, took care of business last weekend um, down, at, down in Tralee. And I don't think that Clare can afford to have an off day at the weekend, play poorly and it'll be good enough to win. I think Clare will have to certainly play to the standard they've played in the previous matches. Now, if they do that, if they can manage to do that, I think they're good enough. I think they have more firepower. I think Torres would suit the athletic forwards that we have, um, and I think we'll do it. But not playing poorly, and that was the, the worry I had, Nathan, particularly given the energy we expended. You know, mm. Could the lads get back up again for another big game? It's asking a lot, isn't it, for Clare to go, say, six games on the trot now, delivering big performances. And that's, I suppose, another worry as a manager, you're thinking... Tony Kelly has to have a bad day sometime. I don't Does think he? Tony has Does to have he? a bad day. Now, what I will say is Peter Duggan didn't have the best day in mm. the Munster final. So there is options there. And Shane O'Donnell, while he was industrious in terms of his movement, he, he didn't shoot the lights out. So there's possible there. I, I don't think Peter and Shane would have said they had their best games in the Munster final. So there's definitely more in them. Yeah, specifically, um, I, I did. I thought t- Tony had to do a lot of work that particular day against Limerick. Yeah. I would have just looked at it that, and listen, sure, the disappointment is huge when you put in such a mammoth effort after you know a pretty grueling Munster Championship. That to have gone toe to toe with the best team in the land and have done it again in a Munster final, you prove a lot to yourself it, for a team like Clare who are you know are still progressing. I agree. I, I suppose my my concern is that we saw Watford do really really well in the league sorry about that you're grand we saw Waterford do really really well in the league put up some big performances and then capitulate y- you can't you can't designate for, for those kind of blow ups you know and, and that's probably Jamie's, Jamesy's concern as well Jamesy you know you look at how good Waterford were for an extended period of time and then it went up in smoke yeah and it's not got, it's not got Hurlands here and you know like you can't afford a bad day at the office at this stage of the season I mean you know one below par performance and um, where you're flat, the energy levels are low, uh, and and you pay the price for it, particularly against a team that's coming in with their with their tails up, and I think in a good frame of a uh, good frame of mind. So that was the worry, for, and is the worry for me that you know players' energy levels maybe aren't where they were through those five matches of Munster, um, and that's why, as I said, just that even the psychological lift of having the two lads available, I think is 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 a, is a good news story that I think the Clare lads needed. Um, you know, and I think they'll as well having having lost that game in Ennis to Wexford earlier in the year, I think they'll be. You know, they'd be aware of the, the threat that Wexford pose, and I'm sure that Brian would be driving home that point, given again how, how well they played against Kenny. So, for me, if Clare's minds are on the job, and if the energy levels are back up, then yeah, I think they'll win. But I think they'll, they'll need to be. You touched, Jamesy, on uh, some of the threats that Wexford have in their inside forward line. From Wexford defensive point of view and the challenge 
of somehow trying to control Tony Kelly, which may be an impossible challenge. How do you think they go about that, Wexford? It's hard to know, Nathan, because against Kilkenny, they got all the matchups right. Um, you know, Potty Foley did a great job, and Walter Walsh, um, Matt O'Hanlon attached himself to TJ, nullified his influence. Um, Liam Ryan was rock solid on the edge of the square, and, and they just got got the matchups right. And tactically, Dimro Keith kind of sat back um, almost as an auxiliary kind of wing back on the kind of left side of the defence, and it kind of nearly took away that half of of the pitch, so when Kilkenny defenders were looking to hit the ball, O'Keefe was blocking Anton down that, that kind of right channel as they looked, and the Wexford defenders more often than not stood on the left side of, of the Kilkenny forwards, and Kilkenny reverted the type and really went route one and got very direct very early, um, and it you know played into Wexford's hands. What you do with Tony, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, do you, do you man-mark him? Um, do you trust or allocate Damien Wreck or someone to do the job? But the way Tony plays, you know, he'd be centre forward for five minutes, he'd be back in the edge of the square, he'd be in the corner, he'd be out in the wing. When he goes out to field and to take freeze, he stays out. So he does create headaches. And even against Tipperary, um, you know, while he didn't shoot the lights out in general play, the, the fact that, you know, he, he's dragging defenders out of position, he's, he's creating space for, for, for the rest of the forwards. Um, and hopefully, you know, we saw Mark Rogers, who's a guy we all rate very highly in Clare, he played an extra time in the Munster final. Having him back or closer to full fitness is another huge bonus. Aidan McCarthy as well, apparently, is on the way back. Um, and Brian Owen's hand could arguably be getting stronger, hopefully, the deeper we get into this championship. So we have other weapons if Tony if Tony is held. And, you know, as Sarah alluded to, O'Donnell and Duggan didn't shoot the lights out, um, you know, the, the, the last day. So if those two guys are better at the weekend, that, that takes some of the pressure maybe on the load off Tony. And when you are at this stage of the championship, like Tony Kelly's never going to have it all his own way. That is the key here, that the space that he creates as he moves around the pitch and he, uh, you know, maybe drags a man marker, but also two or three other players' eyes are going to be on him all the time, that there's opportunities there for the other Clare forwards. Yeah, so Declan Hannan obviously sits for Limerick and he's the only centre-back in the country who's allowed to sit. You know, every other centre-back seems to have to move and that caused so much hassle for William O'Donoghue and uh, the, the, the... half backs and half forwards. Mm. So it, it's it, it's interesting whether Wexford will choose to sit or whether they'll pull him out. But it does create massive headaches in midfield for these teams when Tony's moving because yeah. it means there's three players in midfield that they have to pick up and it's chaos. Uh, Lee Chin, James, you feel he's back to pretty much his very best? Yeah, I thought he was excellent against Kilkenny and particularly Nathan, you know, early in the second half, Kilkenny looked like they might be starting to to grab hold of the match and Chin came out and just did, so, did the simple thing so I just won the dirty ball you know did the right thing said laid off a hand pass just held it up took the right option and just grabbed a hold of the match when, when Wexler as I said seemed to be wavering a little bit um, I think as well having him back on the freeze is big because Rory O'Connor just looks like a kind of a 70-80% free taker when at this level you need to be kind of nearly 90% or, or, or above that and Chin was really good on the freeze that, that night in Nolan Park um, and I think, look, he's obviously a leader as well. You know, he's a physical presence. You can put him in the edge of the square with McDonald's as a, as a kind of a two aerial ball winners in the edge of the square. It gives you something different. It allows you to go very direct. We've, we've seen Wexford do that, you know, at, at times last year and in the past. So, yeah, he's a massive player for them. And, you know, the hamstring injury seems to be fully healed. He only played, as I said, in patches, came on, I think, in the second half against both Dublin and, and, and Galway. Uh, but having him from the start is massive for Wexford and that's a big plus to have him back and have him back playing well and in form and in confidence as he appears to be. 
Uh, it's a huge game with Kilkenny waiting in an All-Ireland semi-final. As Jamesy says, Wexford are maybe the best team in Leinster. Uh, either of these teams, whoever comes through, will really feel there's a, a massive opportunity to get to an All-Ireland final. I think from the country's point of view, we probably all want to see Clare in, in, in the semi-final. But the All-Ireland Championship is knockout and you know the last six teams that are left are there on merit. So it's, 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 any, it's anyone's. And uh, equally, Kilkenny won't won't have any issue with, with who comes through because they've had four weeks now and we're talking about expending energy and there's a lot of energy being expended over these quarterfinals and, and the previous games so I think Kilkenny are in the best position for whoever does come through. Uh, just before we move off the game we do have a text in about the uh, suspensions or non-suspensions uh, what's the public's obsession with suspending players the referee set the parameters of that game early on and everyone raved about how great it was then they wanted retrospective sendings off it makes no sense nobody was hurt if both the Clare players were sent off in the day you couldn't really argue but in this case it's like entrapment uh, and that's a fair point actually Jamesy that a referee does set the parameters quite early as to whether he's going to pull everything up or whether he's going to let it flow and the players get into that mood then and if you're then saying afterwards well actually while he might let it flow now we're going to pull you up in 48 hours time it sort of changes the dynamic in a pretty negative way it does yeah and uh, you know and to me the game was played in such a positive spirit i mean there was no quarter asked or given it was unbelievably physical it was unbelievably intense fellas gave it absolutely everything and as i said he just the fact that suspensions were suddenly been talked about you know couple of days after it just I think it just missed the mood of the game and the day and the occasion um, now that said I mean I know John Keenan got huge plaudits for the way he let the game flow at the same time Nathan he probably did miss if you look back at it and I watched it back he did miss probably obvious yellow card defences um, other frees that maybe should have been pulled and at the end of the day his job is to referee the game is not, not to let the game flow um, and I have huge sympathy for any referee trying to referee modern intercounty hurling now, especially with the way the tackle is. Um, you know, because you, you, you could blow the whistle incessantly if you were going to blow for every technical foul. So there's a very, very fine line. Um, and John Keenan, more, on, on an awful lot of vocations, got a, you know right and more right than wrong. But he did miss some things. And some there was probably one or two obvious yellow cards things early on which changes the way defenders maybe play as well um, you know and, and I, I don't know if the referees had their review or how that how that went but certainly um, you know I, I don't think anybody expected to see suspensions or, or, or always have this conversation we're having tonight Nathan coming out of Thurles that, that Sunday so that is the second game Clare Wexford 3.45 on Saturday first up it is Galway against Cork at quarter to two uh, Sarah last time you were in studio I think it was about five six weeks ago and we were talking about Cork and where it had all gone wrong for Kieran Kingston and the expectation he was coming into his final match. And here they are in an All-Ireland quarter-final. How'd you get it so wrong? How did Waterford get it so wrong? Because I'm going to blame Waterford for this one. Their capitulation allowed Cork to, to put themselves you in You've got to give position. Cork some credit. I do. Well, I do and then I don't because on Saturday against Antrim they made hard work of it. And again, you know, two cheap goals given away mm. um, allowed Antrim lead that game in the second half and you can't be doing that when you have big games coming up you can't be allowing teams to stay in the game when they're not of the same quality and that's the problem with Cork is that they give away cheap goals You were concerned at that stage that maybe the work ethic wasn't there that the players didn't quite understand what was needed to win big championship games and I understand what you're saying about Waterford capitulating but the way we were talking about Cork that night I would have expected Cork to be decide to capitulate they seemed to 
wor- like their work rate was off the charts uh, for the last few games against Waterford and Tip mm. and I have to commend them on that but I suppose it started at number 15 15 to, to 1 you know what I mean we, we had we had Connerly Han his work rate Alan Connolly they made changes as well like Tim O'Mahony switched from wing back to, to wing forward it wasn't that this team stayed static and, and they won as a result Cork made big changes and and that was in a response to the, how poor they were and the work ethic that they were showing so yeah w- w- I'm going to be in the terrace on Saturday and I can't wait but I'm nervous because this is the game that I didn't want Why? I, I think Galway have the physicality to bully Cork and I I'm a bit concerned. Galway got so much wrong in the Leinster final. They're going to improve tenfold and they're they're going to want to show that they are, are, are going to be in this championship. And that's my concern. If it was Kilkenny, Cork would have, I would have fancied Cork to do well against Kilkenny if Kilkenny were coming off the, the back mm-hmm. of a loss to Galway. Jamesy, what improvements have you seen in Cork over the last three games? Albeit with Antrim been, maybe it was sloppy, maybe they've one eye on a on a quarter final already, and you're not quite there. But the victories against Waterford and Tip like, have turned their season on its head and turned the conversations around them. What have you seen that's changed that that that's given them this bit of momentum? Well, I think Sarah alluded to the the work rate. I mean, obviously they were pilloried and rightly so after the limit performance. You know, for the the lack of movement up front, the the lack of work rate, and I mean, Limerick obviously put them to the sword and, and did so emphatically. I was at the Clare game in Torres as well, Nathan, um, and I thought Clare played really well that day. Uh, now, I know the margin was only whatever two points, whatever it was at the end. It was a, you know, it didn't reflect in any way, shape, or form probably the, the, the margin between the between the teams. But I thought Clare were better that day than they were against uh, against Tipperary, and they were they were excellent. So, from from a court perspective, you know, the, the questions were really asked. Their backs were to the wall. Um, and it was a question of, you know, how were they going to respond? Were they going to come out fighting or was it all going to end in, in Walsh Park? And I think, you know, they've been granted a second chance. And you, you could argue that, look, they, they created themselves. They, they did the hard part. They went down to Waterford. They got into the trenches and, you know, worked their backsides off and got their rewards for it. And they were a very dangerous team for me, Nathan, because we know the skill level. We know the, the, the pace, the athleticism that's in that side. And, and you know, if they get to Croke Park, they're, they're, I think, the last team that arguably, you know, anybody wants to see, uh, wants to see coming. And I think, you know, nearly by default, Kieran Kingston is getting closer to his, his strongest starting fifteen. Um, to a man up front gives him something different. Um, you know, he asks a few more questions. He's capable of winning the ball and holding it up up there. Uh, Mark Coleman, a wing back again, is, is probably in his best position. Darius Fitzgibbon, who had no form earlier in the championship suddenly appears to be motoring really well in the middle of the field again, and he's an important player. Luke Mead gives him that balance another kind of worker, a guy that gets through work that, that's vital to the team and often goes unseen, but you, you miss it when he's not there. So I think Cork are in a much better place. And in Connolly, Nathan, Cork have a, a forward in the mould of, you know, John Fitzgibbon of old, Jodine, a poacher, a finisher, and a guy who's a, you know who's only got green flags, I think, in his mind most of the time. And he's a dangerous player and a guy that's going to take watching at the weekend. Um, now, if Galway come out and decide they're going to wage war, which... I think Galway should, and I think they they're going to have to, and I think it's quite likely that that's the that's the approach they'll take, given how flat they were in the Leinster mm. final. Um, you know, that's that's a different story. Cork will have to match that, but if it turns into a shootout, for me, there's only one winner, um, and that's and that's Cork, and, and therefore Galway, for me, it's imperative that they, they they don't make it that kind of a game because I don't think they have the firepower to go toe to toe with Cork if it's that kind of an open, free flowing, high scoring game. But if it's attritional, if it's physical, if it's tough, if Galway 
you know, make life very difficult at the back and has loads of bodies back there, then it becomes a different story and, and, and a much more 50-50 game and hard to call. Uh, Henry Shefflin would have learned a lot through his career from a manager that if had a team that were flat on one occasion when they came out next time, generally it was all guns blazing and ready for war. But there must be concerns in Goa because it's a very different scenario from Clare and the huge emotional effort they put into that Munster final. There was nothing in that Goa performance. There was... The only talking point was the Cody Shefflin handshake. It was a really dour Leinster final. They only scored 17 points. They need a pretty dramatic improvement and quickly. They do. And Henry Shefflin said they had no punch outside of Conor Whelan up front. Their midfield was their big issue. And Tom Monaghan was replaced on 44 minutes, you know, by Jason Flynn. And I suppose that's the area where Cork have, are more settled. Um, I would say that Galway's full back line is more settled than Cork's full back line. You know, the, there's mm. peaks and troughs in both teams. Um, David Burke is going to surpass Joe Canning, uh, or Joe Canning, sorry, uh, with 63 championship appearances. And he'll be back in for, for Galway. So that could be a big uh, change for Galway. I just felt they were incredibly flat in midfield. They missed a couple of goal chances early on in the Leinster final. And if they had got those, maybe the game would have been a very different game but they just seem to get more and more nervous. And I know I felt that Henry was very nervous himself on the sideline and quite exasperated every time they panned to him on the big screen. And I wonder, does his demeanour need to change for the players? Because as a player, if I'm looking out at the sideline and my manager's exasperated, then I'm getting more nervous, right. missing more ball, you know? Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't massively noticed that, Jamesy, but it's an interesting point that uh, if the greatest player of all time is on the sideline looking disappointed at you, uh, it might have an effect on the players on the pitch. Yeah, well, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, teams take their tone from the manager. I mean, like the team I played with, Lagnan, was the touchstone. And, you know, we kind of probably reflected his personality in some respects. And I think Brian Lohan, you know, certainly the clear team are playing for him and playing with that, you know, massive work rate and energy and honesty of effort. Um, but yeah, Henry just has to be disappointed with how flat they were in the Leicester mm. final. Uh, and, and with some of their play, particularly up front. And as Sarah said, 17 points. Is not going to get it done. I mean, you know, you've got to be hitting close to 30, um, you know, to win these big matches now. And, and Galway barely surpassed probably half what you what you need. So is, is that game, rel- how, how obviously it's relevant, it's their last match, but how relevant do you think it is? Because Kilkenny obviously defensively, that day were very strong and it, it felt as though maybe they were preparing for a bigger challenge later in the summer and just how they tried to shut the whole thing down. That's not really Cork. No, and... and Kilkenny probably got the matchups right, but from a Galway perspective, you know, obviously Conor Whelan is is you know the go-to guy now and and the fulcrum and you know capable of causing havoc in there. But Brian Concannon has no form, um, you know Conor Cooney has been inconsistent, um, you know Joseph Cooney again, what's his best position? I mean, they're better off with him in the middle of the field. Tom Monaghan was poor the last day, um, and and I, I don't know again if Galway are as potent an attack as they would have been, you know, back, say, in 2017, 20, 2018. So, for me, there, there are still a lot more question marks about Galway. Um, and I'm not quite sure still how good Galway actually uh, actually are. And I think Cork, as well, are younger. You know, I mean, if you look at, you know, even the Galway 2017 side, I mean, they're still out of the same face as Cole McInerney, um, you know, Joseph Cooney, Connor Cooney, David Burke back, you know, Johnny Cohen may play some part. And I, I just think, look, there's a lot of miles in some of those Galway clocks. Cork are younger, more athletic, more energy, arguably. Um, and as it is, it's an open game. You know, for Cork, they're allowed to play that running style, that running game. If they get that going, um, I think they'll, uh, I think they'll win. But that said, too, Nathan, you know, when you play as poorly as as, as Galway did a couple of weeks ago, and you know, as a player, you want to burn that 
and the best way to burn it is to come out with the right attitude, the right approach, and wire into the next game and the next opponents. And, and I think, as I said, you'll see Galway bringing the aggression, bringing the heat, bringing the intensity, and Cork going to have to match it. And if Cork do, I think they're the better hurling team, and I think they'll win. If they don't, then all bets are off. And uh, you know, if 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 we then you know can cause some questions and, and pose some problems to that Cork full backline, uh, then it's very much game on. On Jamesy, give me your two winners. Clare and Cork, Nathan. All right. Sarah? Clare and Galway. Okay, bit of a split on the panel. James O'Connor, great stuff as always. Enjoy the weekend. Sarah Dunlin, thanks for hopping into the studio.